Today's message has been brought to you by Faith Family Church in Billings, Montana. For more information, visit faithfamilybillings.com. The Bible says that the Word is sharp. The Word of God is sharp. Quicker. Sharper than a two-edged sword. Did you know there's also a scripture that said that the Word of God is a hammer? Huh? I've talked, Miss, they were talking about... Uh, I don't remember who it was we were talking last Sunday. We had dinner with some of our church family, and someone said something about that. And I said, you know, it's, 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 it looks different, and it feels different. I said, you can get a cut on your forehead, and it'll hurt a little bit, and it shows up a little bit. But you get hit in the head with a hammer, and it's going to hurt a lot more, and it's going to show up a lot more. <laughs> and that's kind of how this subject is. We're, in, we're talking about uh, love. And we're basing all of this out of Second Peter or First Peter 2.11 that says, For this you were called because Christ has also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow in his steps. That's a tall order. Especially when, it, and I, I explained last week that, you know, I, I got it. Holy Spirit had been talking to me about becoming more kingdom-minded, more kingdom-focused, thinking more with the kingdom mindset. And I was just thrilled. I was. I was excited. I thought, oh, man, this is going to be good. Where do we start, Lord? And he took me to 1 Corinthians 13 and said, this is where we start. And like I said last week, I, I, I got to the first verse, and I was like, hmm. I don't know if I want to do this any go farther. I don't know if I want to go any further. And like I said, Revelation, there's a responsibility with Revelation. And once you get it, you're responsible for what you do with it. It becomes your responsibility then what you do with the Revelation that God gives you. And so I was just like, yeah, I don't know if I want any more of this Revelation, Lord. Can we go somewhere else, do something else. And the Lord said, no, kingdom-minded, kingdom, having a kingdom mindset and having a kingdom focus starts right here. And so we talked a little bit about, we, we didn't get very far. Um, we just mentioned real quick how that, you know, agape, what agape is. It's a self-sacrificing, self-giving not thinking about yourself first type of love. And we talked about how that's not a secret or a covert activity. Nobody is going to know that you love them because you think it or it's in here. They're going to know you love them because of what they see from you, what they experience from you, and what they know when they walk away from being with you, they know whether they still agree with it or not. That's not the important issue. The important issue is they walk away from a conversation with you knowing that they are loved. So, uh, and, and I just, I mentioned some things. That this, the exercise of spiritual gifts without love weakens the impact and the effect that was intended by spiritual gifts. You can still move in spiritual giftings, but spiritual giftings is not a sign of spiritual maturity. 
Moving in spiritual giftings is not a sign of spiritual maturity. A sign of spiritual maturity is walking in love. We talked real, uh, about how you, you can't manufacture this. You can't, agape cannot be manufactured in your flesh. It can't. And we're going to talk a little bit further about that this morning, but you can't, you can't manufacture that in your flesh. And just to real touch real quick, verse 2 of 2 Corinthians 13, what does it say? Let's look at it, and I, I, I'm rushing through this so I can get to what, I, get, I can get to, not the good stuff, but I mean, the, it is good, but it's, hmm. He says, and though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith, so that I could move mountains but have not love, I am nothing. You know, I think the one thing that we, especially in reading this chapter, we are, we have to slow down. And we really have to see what Paul is saying. We have to slow down and let this quit being just intellectual intent and intent. And it's got to become spiritual intent. Listen to what he says. If I have the gift of prophecy, I understand all mysteries. If I have faith that I can remove mountains, I can have all of that stuff. I can have all that stuff being exercised in me. But he says, if I don't have love, I'm nothing. That word nothing means absolutely nothing. Nothing of eternal significance, worthless, and of no account. Wow. Wow. You can do all of those good things. I can do all of those and have all those things being exercised in my life. But if I'm not walking in love eternally, everything I'm doing is worthless. You know what this did for me? Boy, and I, I, I got to get through this. But you know what the scripture says? And when Jesus was talking, he said, many are going to come to me in that day, and they're going to say to me, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we cast out devil? And we did, didn't we move mighty wonders in your name? And Jesus said, he's going to say to you, I'm going to say to you, depart from me. You're a lawless one. I don't know you. What does 1 John 4 say? It says, if you say you love the Father, but you hate your neighbor, you do not know God. Now, I looked it up in I don't know how many different translations, and you know what they all said? You do not know God. Now, that... That, that is so hard. That is so tough on our flesh, isn't it? It is hard. I'm not telling you this is easy to do. But you know what? That's why Jesus said it's a narrow path, and there's very few that walk on it. He wasn't talking about the path of salvation. He was talking about the walk of Christ, the walk of walking with Christ. He was talking about following in his steps. So the Corinthian church has proven this pretty clearly. It is possible to have spiritual understanding but be of no value because it's not exercised in love. The first revelation you must receive is the necessity of agape, meaning, agape being manifested in you and through you. 
the expression of these gifts may be beneficial to others. I mean, you know, others may get blessed by what you're doing. But any benefit meant for us is negated because love is absent. You get nothing out of it. I'm sorry. You don't get anything. Nothing is nothing. Then he goes on and he says uh, in verse 3, he said, I can give everything that I have. I can bestow all my good to be feed the poor and though give my body to be burned, but if I do not have love, it profits me nothing. Profit, it means not increased. It means to heap up. It means to provide assistance with emphasis on a resulting benefit. It is the passive sense meaning to have benefit from or to be profitable. You can give. You can give up yourself. And, and you, not just money, you can give of, of, of who you are to other people. Now, you've got, you got, you got to get this. You can do this, and you can give, it's that you can even give yourself as a martyr. And if there's no love in it, and if you're not doing it out of love, it profits you nothing. It profits me nothing. I could stand up here and I could preach for the next 70 years. I could preach you this gospel. I could preach you the truth. But if I am not walking in love when I stand before the Lord, it profits me nothing. I get no spiritual profit from it. I get no eternal profit from it. That's why it's so important that we get this. This this is where kingdom thinking starts. This is where kingdom mindset starts. It starts out of learning how to love like Jesus loved. It's about, you know, we're, and I think I said this last week, but we're really, we're really honed in on having the power of God in us. We know the power of God's in us. We know the presence of God is in us. But we're not so quick to understand and to realize that the love of God is in us too. It's as much a part of his nature as any of the rest of it. And if you're, if you're not activating that in your spirit, you're not receiving the full benefit of the character and nature of Christ in you. Hallelujah. Giving of possessions, time, money, or anything else, even our life, does not in and of itself increase us spiritually. I'm going to say that again. Giving of possessions, time, money, or anything else, it does not increase us spiritually. The only way we are spiritual in, spiritually increased in these things is through a manifestation of pure agape, that's when eternal fruit is produced. That's when eternal fruit is produced. Agape is the indispensable addition that gives worth to every other work. Agape is the indispensable addition that gives worth to every other work. Isn't this fun? <laughs> you guys, you know, and, and you, those of you that, that minister, you, you know, you know, when you get up, you got 45 minutes, and all, all they have to deal with is the 45 minutes that you're doing this, but you're dealing with this 
the whole time that you're that that you're studying it out, and every time you study something out, it, and and in the spirit, your head is one big bruise because that's what's happening. You're just getting hit with a hammer. But that's a good thing because what does the word say? When the Lord loves whom he chastens, he loves. And we talked about correction last week, how correction is not some heavy-handed, heavy-handed thing. It's like a spiritual GPS. It's got where we are, and it's got the destination where Father God wants us. And the Holy Spirit is the one who, who uh, talks to us like the GPS does. Take a right turn here. At the next light, go left. And then if you get off course, it doesn't scream and yell at you and say, what an idiot. No, it just simply tells you, uh, you missed your turn. You've got to go up here, and you've got to turn around, and you've got to come back. That's what the correction of the Holy Spirit is like. So, we're going to move on. And we're going to talk a little bit about the most quoted scripture. The most old, it's the most quoted Old Testament scripture in the New Testament. It's quoted more in the New Testament than any other scripture in the Old Testament. So let's go to Romans 13. And we'll start reading at verse 8. It's pretty forthright. It's pretty self-exclamatory. You start at verse 8. It says, no, Owe no one anything except to love one another. For he who loves another has fulfilled the law. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. He who what? He who loves fulfills the law. Now, wait a minute, I didn't think we were capable of fulfilling the love, or fulfilling the law. I thought the law was back here where we weren't under that anymore. But yet here in the New Testament, Paul's saying, if you, if you know how to, how to walk in agape, if you know how to manifest agape, you fulfill the law. He goes on and he says, for the commandments... You shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall not covet, and if there's any other commandment, all are summed up in this saying. And here it is, the most quoted portion of Scripture, Old Testament, that's quoted in the New Testament. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor, verse 10 says, therefore... Love is the fulfillment of the law. Wowie. So we're going to look at this for just a little bit. Like I said, this, this is the most referenced verse. It's, it's referenced in, in Matthew twenty two thirty nine, Mark twelve thirty one, Luke ten twenty seven. Galatians 5.14 and James 2.8. All of these places quote this scripture. So basically, a lot of the New Testament 
church was hearing this message. You love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul. You know, we, we get that part of it. But Jesus said the second one was this, love your neighbor like you love yourself. First, we got to understand something. This is not a suggestion. Paul was not suggesting this to the Roman church. When he wrote to the church at Galatia, he wasn't suggesting it. When Jesus mentioned it, it wasn't a suggestion. You don't believe that? You can go back and read when Jesus was discoursing. The discourse was this. What is the greatest commandment? Not the greatest suggestion, the greatest commandment. Jesus said, this is it. So the Amplified says, keep out of debt. Owe no man anything except to love one another. For he who loves his neighbor, who practices loving others, has fulfilled the law relating to one's fellow men, meeting all of its requirements. The Phillips translation says, keep out of debt altogether except the perpetual debt of love which we owe to another one. The perpetual debt that we owe to someone else. The man who loves his neighbor has obeyed the whole law in regard to his neighbor. Jonathan Edwards said the evidence of or the absence of love are the best tests by which Christians may try their experience to see whether it is a real Christian experience. He said you can tell by the evidence of love or the, act of, act, the lack of love. That's the test to find out where somebody's Christian experience is really a Christian experience. Charles Hodge said this. Uh, he was a Puritan uh, preacher. He said, acquit yourself of all obligations except love, which is a debt that must ever remain due. We talked about this yet last week a little bit. If you try to love people in your flesh, sooner or later, you will fail. Sooner or later, if you try loving somebody in your flesh, they're going to do something. And it's just going to, it's going to blow the top of your head off because you're trying in your flesh. Your flesh is based, because your flesh is based on emotion. Agape is not based on emotion. It's not. There is nothing about the love of God that is based on emotion. If that was the case, you and I would be in some serious, serious trouble. Because then we would be at the, at, at the whim of, of an emotional God that said, well, <laughs> I'm sorry, but you stepped over the line today. No love for you. You're going to have to start over. You're going to have to begin to work over. You're going to have to start from scratch now. That's not how God loves us. He loves us no matter what. We talked last week, the scripture says, while we were still sinners, he loved us. While we were in our worst condition, think about as a sinner, the worst condition you were in. And God's love was still reaching out for you. He was still pursuing you. He was still coming after you with everything he had. Blessed is based on emotion, while agape is a spiritual discipline. Listen, you've got to understand this. Agape, love, is a spiritual discipline. It's a spiritual discipline, just like prayer, just like 
fasting, just like reading the word. Walking in agape love is a spiritual discipline. You don't get it. You learn it. You don't just wake up one morning and you're walking in the full agape love of God. Man, if that's you, please come and talk to me. Because I want, I want to know how you did that. A spiritual discipline is a spiritual practice or behavior scripturally based that aids and enhances our spiritual growth and maturity. That's what a spiritual discipline is. It is a spiritual practice or behavior that is based on the word and it enhances and aids our spiritual growth and maturity. Agape love is a spiritual discipline. Walking in the love of God is a spiritual discipline. It has to be a part of who we are. The thing we have to understand and, and, and realize is that you and I, no matter who it is, we owe them a debt of love. Oh, aren't you happy about that? <laughs> you owe them a debt of love. I was thinking, and I mentioned last week my, the, my neighbor guy, and him and I have not seen eye to eye on things. And how when God really started revealing this to me, and I start, started asking, her, okay, because I thought, you know, I do pretty good at this love thing. I, I, I do okay at it. And so I prayed, and I began to ask, okay, show me where I am not doing this. Oh, my goodness. It was an Isaiah 6, woe is me moment. Because I realized, mm-mm, mm-mm. I'd get out, I'd, honestly, I'd be out mowing my lawn. And I'd be mowing along, and I'd be thinking, man, I hope that sucker comes out. I hope he says the wrong thing. And then I'm walking mowing, and I'm talking to the Lord, and I'm going, see, this is what I'm talking about. Right here, right here. And so I, as I was re thinking about this this week, and, and I'm praying, and i Praying for my neighbors and praying for my neighborhood and, and how and I, I began to pray, God, you show me how. I don't know how, I don't know what it's gonna take, but you show me how to exhibit, not just to love this guy, because saying you love somebody is very easy. It is. But to act it out and for them to see it is a whole different thing. So I said, Lord, I don't know. I don't know what it's going to take and how it's going to look, but you show me how to exhibit your love to this guy. I don't know what's going to happen. But I know, I, I understand this, that this is, this is, I owe him a debt of love. It doesn't care, it doesn't matter what he's done to me, what he said to me, how he's acting. I owe him a debt of love. But you don't have to pay it out of your own meager resource. <laughs> Hallelujah. We don't have to pay this out of what our, our, our resource of love is because I know none of you are this way, but I know what mine is like. And there are times it's got a very short fuse to it. Rather, you pay it out of the limitless overflow of God's love towards you. 
As the Lord enables you to be rooted and grounded in love and to know the love of Christ, which surpasses all knowledge. Oh, man, we talk so much about the Ephesians prayers, don't we? And we should. They're good prayers. And they're prayers you should be praying. But that's what that Ephesian prayer, the Ephesian prayer there, especially the one in, in Ephesians 3, says. Paul's praying for the church at Ephesus that they would be rooted and grounded in agape. Not just flighty love, not just a, 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 an emotional love, but a godly love. You'd be rooted and grounded in that. That's what he was praying for them. The abundance of the love of God in your heart, if you're exercising, it will spill over to others. So you look at this, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to spend the rest of my time on this. It says, love your neighbor as you love yourself. That's not three commandments there. That's not love your neighbor and love yourself. Let's love God. Love your neighbor the same way that you love yourself. It's not a commandment to love yourself. I'm sorry. I hate to burst your theological bubble there, but on the contrary, it's a recognition that we as depraved sinners have no difficulty whatsoever loving ourselves. And because this is a fact, how many of you have spent some time this morning looking in a mirror? Now, some of you, I realize it takes longer than others. <laughs> no, don't be doing that. Don't, don't be pointing to other people here. Guys, don't point at your wives. That's not good. But the, <laughs> that is just a test of the fact. We spend so much time in front of a mirror. Why? Because we, what? We, love, we want us to look good. We want us to look right. Paul commands us to love others just as we genuine and sincerely love ourselves. Now, we have a... <clears throat> buckle up. We have... A lot of teaching going on right now. And that teaching is, comes from the idea that you have to love yourself. Um, I'm sorry. You're going to have a hard time finding scriptural, scriptural backing for that. What do you mean we're not supposed to do? We're not, I'm not supposed to think about, hang on. It has often been taught that if it, your relational problems stem from your low self-esteem because you don't love yourself enough. So you must first learn how to love yourself before you can properly love somebody else. That's, this is the teaching. You've got to learn how to love yourself first before you can love anybody else. It does not come from the second great commandment or from anywhere else in the Bible. It comes to us from worldly psychologists who do not know God. 
Hallelujah. Now you got quiet on me. There are only two great commandments, not three. Love God and love your neighbor. Self-love is the assumed standard by which to measure your love for others. We don't have a problem loving ourselves. We, are all take, we all take care of ourselves. We give to ourselves. Think about this. When you come into a situation and you're involved with somebody, you know who the first one is that you're going to give the benefit of a doubt to? I'm going to give myself the benefit of a doubt. But see, that's not, that's, that's, that's not what Paul's saying here. And that's not what the, the, the true scriptural definition of, of agape is. That's not what's being put forth here. One, one commentary that I read said that it is, a, it is a certain thing that a person will love himself. And it is also certain that he will do so in spite of the fact that the self he loves has many faults. So Moses in Leviticus 19.18, which is where all this, that's the scripture that, that was used in the Old Testament. Jesus in Matthew 22.39 and Paul are all saying, extend the same grace to other faulty sinners that you extend to yourself as a faulty sinner. Ouch. Ouch, ouch, ouch. So I got to be willing to love. Love says that I'm willing to extend the same grace to a faulty sinner that I extend to myself. If I'm willing to ex- extend myself grace in things that I do that are just plain stupid, why can I not extend that same grace to somebody else who does something stupid? Come on, we're talking. This gets right down where you where your where your feet are are, are rooted. It does. Because we'll extend grace to ourselves that we, we absolutely will not extend to somebody else because of what they did to us or how they treated us or what they said to us. And we do not, you, listen, you can go back. And I, I, time does not give me, I don't have the time to go through and go through all of the descriptions of what love is and what love isn't. You can read them. Yeah, that, they, don't, they don't need self-explanatory. You, can, you, can, you understand love's, love's patient, love's kind. If you don't, we need to pray. But every one of these things that you look at them, all the descriptions of love, what love is, love does not do this, love does this, Not one of them is based in self. Not one of them is based in self. Every description that Paul made in 2 Corinthians 13 about love is going this way. It's based outward. It's based flowing out of you to others. The same quality of love we give ourselves is what we are supposed to give to others. The command cannot be twisted into a command to love ourselves. We are to extend to others what we extend to ourselves. None of you are smiling. (laughs) I know. 
Every time I sit down to this, I'm just like, oh, Jesus, help me. Help me, Jesus, because I thought something I thought I was getting, I, I, yeah, no. I have a long ways to go, and I, I had this discussion this week with uh, my son and daughter-in-law. We were talking about stuff and talking about walking in love, and, and, and I have to be willing to extend to others. You see, when, when you move towards somebody else in love, whether they accept it or not, it's completely out of your circle. The onus is on them then. But when you act in love and you move in love, if there is any barricade there, is any barrier there in your life, you know what you're doing? You're removing that obstacle. You're getting that obstacle completely out of your way. And then you have power over that thing as to whether or not you let it back in or not. So love is a commitment we make that to sacrifice ourselves in order to seek the highest good of the one loved. And what's the highest, what's, what's the highest good that we can do for someone? And, and what's the highest good that we can do for someone is to let them and to help them know Jesus better. To help them see Jesus better. To help them understand Jesus better. It is willing to be able to invest in others. Wowie. Think about that. It's the willingness to invest in others. Whether they are willing to receive it or not. It's a willingness to invest in others whether they receive it or not. We invest our heart, our soul, our mind, our body in loving God and loving others. We invest everything. We don't hold anything back, guys. We don't hold anything back. If we're going to have the same love that Christ had, he did not hold anything back. Not a thing. And if we're going to do what Peter says and follow in his steps, that's going to be how we live. Oh, I wish I could tell you that I've got this down. Oh, I wish I could tell you that I'm speaking from experience here. I am speaking from the experience of having Holy Spirit rile this stuff up and boil this stuff up to you and stir this up into you until you realize, hmm, boy, I got a ways to go. So I want to talk to you just for a minute. We're talking about uh, self-love. There's a difference between self-esteem and self-love. You know that? Big difference. Self-esteem cannot be mistaken for self-love. You, they're not the same, so you can't, you can't put them in the same category. Self-esteem is not anchored in who I am in the flesh. Self-love is. 
Self-esteem cannot be anchored in, in, in who I am in the flesh. Self-love is. Self-esteem is anchored in who I am in Christ. Based on the redeeming, creative love of God. That's what self-esteem is. When I look at myself, I am looking at myself through the lens of my father. And I'm seeing what my father sees. That's self-esteem. That's where I realize Self-esteem is being able to realize I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. <laughs> self-esteem self-esteem is, is understanding that I'm seated in heavenly places with him. All the things that we, we, you've heard talked about from here, that's building your self-esteem, not self-love. Because self-love is rooted in who I am in Christ. Self-love is anchored on, in my flesh, trying to make myself of worth and value outside of Christ. I'll say that again. Self-love is anchored in my flesh. It is trying to make myself of value and trying to make myself of worth outside of Christ. Go, go read and look at, at social media. And you see, you see that this is rampant. This thing of self, I got, I love, I got to love myself. I got, you know, it's more important that I take care of me. You want to know what that is? Second Timothy three two. <laughs> this will put self love into perspective for you. And honestly, the, the, the problem is, this is stuff that's being preached from the pulpit. You've got to love yourself. You've got to love yourself. No, you don't. You've got to love God. You've got to love your neighbor. Those are the commandments. You want to know how, where, where, where self-love plays in this, this thing? But know this, in the last days, perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves. That's not a godly quality. Loving yourself is not a godly quality. It's actually what you're doing is exhibiting a sign that the end times are more in perilous times. That's what you're exhibiting. Come on, let's be truthful about it. You start talking about loving yourself. This is what you, you, are, you, are, you are what is being written about right here in, in, in 2 Timothy. You're a sure sign that the end times are upon us. That's a rotten testimony, isn't it? I just should be honest. That's just a cruddy testimony. Well, they're a sign of the last time because they love themselves. They're so stuck on themselves and they're so they're so they're so involved in themselves. Jesus is coming. I can look at you and tell Jesus is coming, and not in a good way. I gotta hurry. I don't have much time left. But I want to get into this. I'm going to, I'm going to, I had a lot of other stuff to say about this, but here's one thing. Another, another thing, to, and if you think all of this has been touchy to this point, <laughs> the more I esteem myself according to the work and power of Christ in me, the more I will deny my flesh, the more the love of God will be manifested in me and through me. 
Love that is agape means I love others, serve the needs of others with all the passion and energy I put out serving myself. Not just the poor and needy, but those who have offended me, hurt me, the ones I think don't deserve it. Now, this is not a command to ignore people. <laughs> Help me, Lord. This is not an excuse to treat people like they don't exist. This is not an excuse to not let people be a part of our lives until they repent. There I said it. It's command to let them know through our words, deeds, actions that we love them even if they refuse to accept us. Hallelujah. <laughs> Common practice that has crept into the world, from the world into the church, is to refuse to allow toxic people into our environment. <laughs> Can I just stomp all over that thing right now? Do you realize? <laughs> do you realize? how many toxic people Jesus had around him? Do you realize how many, how many toxic people Jesus dealt with day in and day out? And that was not his mindset. Well, you're, you got, you got, you're toxic. Sorry. Jesus sat and ate with toxic people. Jesus taught, lived day in and day out with Judas, taught him just like he taught all the others, loved him just like he loved all the others. Jesus sat day after day and taught Peter. Hmm? poured into Peter, knowing, knowing that he was going to deny him. Now, sure, he knew the end of the story, too, and what was going to happen and how Peter would turn around. But I'm telling you what, there were some, th these are some toxic people. And I don't know about you, but I had, I had some moments in my life when my toxicity level was pretty high. I had, I had some, some moments in my life where I was one of those toxic people. But you know what? It didn't stop people from loving me. I still had people who were willing to tell me the truth. When we start talking about Excluding toxic people from our life, we're forgetting the we're forgetting the fact that we've all had our toxic moments. Jesus spent a lot of time with toxic people. Actually, he probably had more toxic people surrounding him than we ever will. It goes back again to this: Who do I love more? Do I love my neighbor, or do I love myself? Now, you've got to be wise in this. And you do not 
have to let love become an issue of blanket acceptance of bad behavior and sin. That's not what we're talking about here whatsoever. That's not what agape is. Sometimes agape is speaking the truth in love and doing something in love that is uncomfortable but necessary. And here's the, the crux of this. Our issue, if we have it, should be with the sinful, carnal nature that is being exhibited and not the sinner. Our issue has to be, and if we are contending with anything, we're in contention against anything, it's against that carnal, sinful nature that's being exhibited, not the person. Now, you think, you think about this. And as I was talking to the Lord, he, was talk, he said, you know what? He said that, that when you look on the TV and you see that, that pro-life woman there, that you want to reach in and you want to pull her tongue right out of her mouth. Or that toxic, that, that person that is, is raging against things that you know are godly. And they're saying things. And they're, uh, when you look at that politician... And he's, they're spewing stuff out of their mouth that you don't you, you, want to punch him in the head. Now, I know you're not this way, but I am. You've got to understand that your issue is not with that person. Your issue has to be and should be with that antichrist spirit that is manifesting itself through them. That's where your battle is. That's where your fight is. Jesus never, he was never shy about confronting sin. Never. But you never see him acting out of the character of the Father in that either. Oh, but he, 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 he made a whip and he ran him out of the temple. And you know what? Yeah, he did. But he was still. He was not acting out of anger. He was not acting out of hate for those people. He was, he was acting against that spirit. And he was coming against that spirit. That's what he was doing. We can hate the sin, and there's not one of you here and not anybody listening that should allow it in your life. You don't have to allow that sin in your life, and you don't have to allow it into your circle in your atmosphere. But you can still practice love to the individual. Owie. Man. And the best example of this that I can think of is it was there in the Corinthian church. You, you had this guy who was in an incestuous relationship with his mother. Now, you can't get, you, in, in here, I'm thinking, you, you can't get any worse than that. That's scraping the bottom of the barrel right there. But yet, and Paul told him what? He said, you remove him. You get the sin out from among you. And they did that. But Paul also explained to them, you do not. You don't fellowship with him, but that doesn't mean you don't still love him. And he doesn't still experience the love of God through you. How is that 
even it's not possible in your flesh you can't do it oh man I'm way over I'm sorry we're going to stop with this he said it in 2 Corinthians 2.8 listen to what Paul said and remember we're going to be done when Paul was talking about this man in 2 Corinthians he said, and this is the Amplified Bible he said I urge you to reinstate him in your affections and reaffirm your love to him it was not about what the guy had done he repented. Why did he repent? Why do you think he repented? Was it because he got a lightning bolt that just hit him and he said, oh, wow, you know? No, I would guarantee you if you go back and you could talk to this man, he would tell you because they were still like, they, they removed me from fellowship. They wouldn't have any fellowship with me, but I still knew they loved me. And I still knew that if I took care of this, they, would, they saw the love of Christ. And as they saw the love of Christ, it brought what? It brought repentance into his heart. It brought repentance. A spirit of repentance began to, and he, everything was smoothed out. And he was what? Brought back into fellowship. I'm done. I know this is hard stuff. It is. But you know what? It's necessary stuff. If we're going to go on and we're going to continue to grow as a fellowship, and we're going to continue to see God do things in our midst. This will be a part of who we are. This will be a part of who we are. Exhibiting the love of Christ to even a greater measure than what we do now. Thank you for taking the time to listen today. If you would like more information about Faith Family Church, including service times and location, visit faithfamilybillings.com.